Today's podcast is sponsored by Youth Ministry Booster, an online youth ministry resource network that for $25 a month provides all the graphics, games, visuals, resources, and community support that you need to enhance your large group gatherings. Boost your youth ministry at www.youthministrybooster.com. Get everything you need to make your next teaching series great. Visit www.youthministrybooster.com and get boosted today. reflection in youth ministry. Whether you are 19 and are just getting started or have been serving in ministry for 19 years, we hope this weekly dose of honesty and humor helps. Welcome to After 9, the most honest conversation in youth ministry. Hello and welcome to After 9. My name is Chad Higgins. And I'm Zach Workin. Zach, how in the world are you, buddy? Oh, it was so close, and then it fell apart. <laughs> Why does South Carolina get to make a second half comeback? It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, this is March Madness. This is what this is over. Uh, it's stupid. First For any of our listeners that do not know, Zach did his master's work at Duke Divinity. Oh, why does UNC get to pull out a comeback but not Duke? This is <laughs> it's Here's so the thing. frustrating. Listen, Villanova lost. Everybody's bracket was busted anyway. Why can't we just let Duke and UNC battle it out? Why? Why does North Carolina get to win and Duke lose? Why? So unfair. I feel like Duke, you are either a Duke fan or you obsessively hate Duke. There's very there, I, little in between. Agreed. Agreed. There, there is no like neutral feelings about Duke basketball. Like it is, it is very much, very much. Either you are like, listen, I will defend it. It's hard to defend it, but I will try to defend it. Or it's like, nah, man, they're the worst thing ever. I hate them so much. And there's just, there's nobody that's like meh about it. There's like, like it's one of those. It's very much. <laughs> It's very much like Dave Matthews band music. Like you are either all about it and you're going to all the shows or you're like, I don't get it. I just don't see it. I don't get it. Whatever. So yeah, no, I, I it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. Good. I've now offended everybody that hates Duke and also loves Dave Matthews band. So I apologize. Maybe Chad can have a rejoinder for you. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of the analogy that would make it even worse. Like, oh, we- like Duke is the Stephen Furtick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Okay, good, good. <laughs> Again, I think you just drew one more line in the sand for our listeners. No, but and I didn't, I didn't say sides. one way or another. Like, I think that's it. Like, you either love it or you hate it. Right, right? exactly. I'm just saying, you just, you've just given one more category for our listeners. No, it's good. I'll just go ahead and add one more. It is very <laughs> much It's very much like our topic today on After 9. Let's go ahead and just take it there. Our big After 9 question today in the most honest podcast in youth ministry what do I do about fundraising? Because I think that is also one more category, Chad, that a lot of people have strong opinions on and probably well-founded 
either direction. And I think for a lot of our listeners, the question, the topic today of fundraising and budgeting and money in youth ministry is one of those things that either you're like, you've got it figured out and you know what you're going to do, or you have no clue, or you're frustrated, or you feel like what other churches have available to them, either through budgeting or fine fundraising means, just seems to be so much better than what you have on your plate. And so I think today, Chad, help us with this question in this podcast episode, get the conversation rolling on what do we do about money in youth ministry? Yeah, so if we're going to talk about fundraising, we understand that for some of our listeners that you may have to uh, do fundraising each year. For some of you, this isn't even uh, a topic for you. It's um, an easy no. We, just, we don't do it. <laughs> we don't do it. Uh, we don't have to do it. Um, but but one of the things that we want to do and cover in this episode is we want to look at where this comes from, what yes. um, what we need to do when, it, when we're talking about just – um, budget in, in our student ministry for, for each of us, um, whether we know it or not, you have a budget um, yes. in your student ministry. Now that budget may be zero, but be that, zero is your, <laughs> that is your budget, yeah. um, for the year. And, and so we, we've got to make things happen and, and all that kind of stuff, um, inside of our, inside of our ministry. And, the, and that takes some financial resources. And so, um, we want to unpack that today and look at that. So the first thing that I wanted to examine, um, is coming from this place. Okay. I, I believe that we want to start this episode um, first and foremost in saying this. My hope and my prayer for each of you today when, you, when, when you're listening is this. Hopefully you're in a place of gratitude when Good. it comes to the budget that you have. Um, you know, and, and I think it's really easy to, to always – um, have this like what if scenario in the back of our head, right? And assume that we would be so much greater youth ministers and our ministry would be so much better if we just had X amount of dollars to work right. with every year. <laughs> That's called greed, children. If you just <laughs> want X more every time you're asked how much you want, that's called greed and is not gratitude and never will be. <laughs> and, and so I, I think that we want to first come to this place of gratitude of what we have. Um, because this is one thing that I know, especially when we start to begin to ask for more in our budget that may be justified and all those kind of things. Um, if you're a person that hasn't been grateful for what you have been provided and yes. used what you have had in the past in the best possible way that could be used, then you're not going to be entrusted with more. Yes. And, and so I, I want us to take a moment and I want us to think about the things that we – detest right even in it yes and ask ourselves are we are we grateful for those mm. because i think it's important right like that that hand-me-down couch that we all joke about <laughs> that's right, right? but it yeah. still makes its way into our youth facility yep like, are we grateful for it? Even right? when we said, no, sir, I'm fine. I don't need it. And it still shows up. Yep. Now, now hold on. If we said, no, sir, we're fine and we don't need it, then maybe we're just being forced. You're still going to have to secretly dispose of it, though. <laughs> it's still going to find its way into your youth room. And then two weeks later, you're going to have to have an exit strategy to get rid of it oh, by yeah. calling somebody that has a truck that's not related to the person that gave it. But you're right, Chad, because it's one of those – if you don't have the gratitude for the stuff that you have, you're never going to have the gratitude for the stuff that you want. And I think that's one of the things that when we try to teach our students especially, like they see that modeled in us and they also see um, the way in which we respond to the environment that we have. Because the bottom line is whatever your budget is, $0, $1, 10000 
thousand, $100,000 for your youth ministry, it's probably never going to be all that you want it to be. Like there's always going to be something else that you could do. But I think with some responsible planning, some strategic organizing, and some um, – call it public gratitude, there's a chance for you to get a little bit more than what you have if you can proceed with the right kind of intentions and the right kind of presence about the way in which you have the stuff that you have. Right. And and honestly, I think too, I think it helps our heart as a youth minister. Mm. Um, Because I think it's really easy to look at the guy down the street, look at the guy at the bigger church and just have this jealousy, you know what I mean, and this heart that just breeds contempt. And and mm-hmm. I think that we have got to get to this place of going, okay, I'm tr- I truly am thankful for the budget that the Lord has given me, yep. that he's entrusted me with, and then I want to be a good steward of what he's given me. That's good. Because that's true in our own personal finances, right? Yeah. Just because we have more money doesn't mean that we're not going to deal with the, the same sort of you know greed and lust and all those kind of things that we that we may deal with, and, and so I think that we've got to look at our youth budget in those same ways, mm. and then ask the question: Am I using it um, as wisely as I could? Am I being creative with mm. those kind of things? Because I, man, I know some guys that don't have a huge budget. But it just seems like they are creative beyond creative, right? Yeah, and, and they come up with ways to use it that you're just like, oh, that's genius. Right? Let's call let's call it PWS or pallet wall syndrome. <laughs> Whoever was the first guy that said, you know what, I got a bunch of these greasy old pallets behind my church building. That's good enough for set decoration. Like the guys that like created things out of like foam or construction paper or or, or pallet wood. I mean, these are the heroes of youth ministry, right? The ones right. that have like looked at stuff that was seen as like discarded or throwaway stuff. And you couple that with some pretty much inexpensive, you know, $20, $40 lights and boom, you've got this whole like, like craze and trend. And so I think before we even really dive into the how to get more money, let's pause and just say here that there's ways to be super creative with a little bit of money that can look like a whole lot more because the bottom line is, man, like, um, some of the best stuff has come from the least amount of money and really under the most like pressure to do more with less, right? Like typically if you've got a bunch of money, you just go out and buy nice stuff or expensive stuff and assume that like, you know, well, I have really rich and expensive stuff, so it's good stuff. But some of the coolest, most enviable stuff has, has come from places. The most artistic things come from a lack of, of, of expensive resources and it's finding like creative ways to use things like PVC pipe and foam board and construction paper and pallet wood, right? Like these are the things that you sit back and go, how did they do that? Because you're creating something, not just purchasing something. Okay, case in point, and I'll call you out on this. Please. All right? All right. Uh, one, of, one of the things that I love about your youth space is this. And the first time that I walked into it, because you have a really nice youth, youth facility. Thank you, Chad. It, it is nice. Um. And, and and I'm sure that there are many people that walk in your facility would go, oh, I want this space so bad. But one of the things that I love the most is probably one of the most inexpensive things that you have in there. All through your building, you have these – they're basically just tree branches. Yep. <laughs> everywhere. And it's they're like dead trees that you've yep. put like Christmas lights on. Yep. That make the place look so stinking cool, yep. and that can that probably costs you almost nothing to do, right? 
Uh, yeah, actually, it literally cost us nothing because the Christmas lights were something that the church was throwing away um, because they were in a box. <laughs> yeah, it is, so- it's, it's what what it is, and I'll, I'll post pictures uh, in, in the show notes. Uh, it's the ends of the pallets that we cut off to strip the wood to build our pallet wall, and then we took branches and bolted them, like old dead tree branches, we bolted them into the pallet base and strung Christmas lights on them, and so it gives it this kind of like hipster forest feel. Uh, total cost, like $2.98 for the bolts. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks really, really sweet. I Thanks, remember the man. first time that I walked in there, I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, it, it just looks aesthetically, like, pleasing, all those kind of things. And then when you realized what it was, you were like, work, and I hate you because that cost <laughs> nothing. <laughs> it's true. That's, it's true. Why, like, that's why my next stage design, old Dorito bags. You know what? You, you flip them inside out, they're shiny, they catch the light, and they got that nice little frosting of orange powder on them. That's great. It's great. Mm. Well, and I think so, – so stop number one is gratitude. Stop number two is creativity, Chad. And I think stop number three for us before we get into some of the specific budgeting and fundraising stuff is having a vision for what you're trying to do. And I think this is the thing that we'll talk about for a little bit. We'll go to the break and we'll come back to the brass tacks of how do we get the money that we think we need. But I think before you even begin to go, I need more or this is why or whatever is to have a big picture because you're not going to get all of it at once. And I think this is the thing when we talk about youth rooms or programs or ideas or like upgrades or improvements, the things that we're talking about are going to come to us in in incremental fashion. Like that's one of the things that for like for me, if we're going to talk about kind of the last couple years of ministry – like we didn't get Xbox Ones and TVs overnight. It was one of those that two years ago I bought a TV. Last year I bought two TVs. This year I bought a couple Xboxes, right? Because it's one of those like I didn't have all of it at once, but through you know careful like shopping and procuring you know those Black Friday deals or those you know those used systems at Vintage Stock or GameStop or whatever, there was a way for us to craft this little video game corner that we didn't just get to go in with $8,000 and redo the whole thing. But we did slowly by shopping like the open box and the whatever. But the whole time I knew that I wanted to have this space that was super cool for my gamer kids, right? It's the same thing that our little coffee shop area is like, we didn't go through and just buy it all at once. Like we started off with the Mr. Coffee machine and we just had like, you know, cheap sugary syrups or whatever. And then through some calling some friends and working some deals, we were able to procure some of the other things that we wanted. The stage stuff, like so much of our stage stuff, other and a couple of the cool LED lights is tree branches and pallet wood and old things that we've like redone, right? Like there's some old lamps that we like painted the lampshades that now they look cooler because we painted the lampshades. Um, half of our pieces of furniture were freebies that like through folks asking us and us saying, hey, um, what does it look like before we yeah. took it in or whatever? We were able to kind of piece together these cool kind of lounge areas. But the whole time it was like, I know we want it to kind of look like this. I know we want some pieces that will kind of, you know, be this part of the room because we had a vision or a plan. So we knew kind of what to ask for and what to look for. So we could kind of map it out in an incremental fashion. So here's one thing that I want to add to that. And that I think is really important for our listeners as we talk about all this stuff to kind of circle back around to where we started this episode. Um, while we while we want to have a vision, m- my hope and my prayer for you that you're listening today is this, that your vision is for your student ministry and for yeah. your church and not the vision of making you as a youth minister look really, really awesome. Mm. 
And mm. because I think that we have to guard our heart against that because I think that that is so easy to do. And I think that there's this culture of the famous youth minister, if that makes sense, um, that's so prevalent in our culture today that I think so often there are men and women that are trying to build these really cool-looking youth rooms, not for their students, but so that they can post it on Facebook, that they'll get accolades and likes from other youth ministers that they are sufficient at what they do. Mm. And so my my plea and my encouragement for you today is this. Whatever you're building, whatever you're trying to use the funds that God has given you, may it be for your people. And you know, I, I hear a lot of a lot of guys in, in asking things like, you know, oh are, are pallet walls out? Yeah. <laughs> well have, do you have one? You know what I mean? Because if you don't and your students have never seen it. It's brand spanking new to them. <laughs> if I haven't seen it, it's new to me. <laughs> right. You know, and I think I think we have people that are trying to build things and do things for others instead of for their people. Yeah. And, and I I want to I want to guard us against that. I mean, I, I think we we've all uh, are inclined to maybe think some of those kind of ways, but but I think that we need to call it for what it is. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, let's take it to the break. So on this first half, thanks for listening as we talked about gratitude, creativity, and visioning. Come back and join us on the second half as we give you some of the brass tack stuff that may not fit into some of these big picture things because, Chad, how do you incrementally do a mission trip and get the fundraising for that? So come back after the break and we'll talk more about those things. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of After Nine. More than just having great episodes, we want to have great, honest conversations with fellow youth workers, whether you're full-time, part-time, or whatever level of involvement you find yourself. We want those that are hardworking and seeking health to have each other, be encouraged, and stay inspired for the work of youth ministry. So in the show notes today, you will find a link to our Facebook group that is for people that care deeply about youth ministry to encourage each other, ask great questions, get great advice, and insight. You make this community happen, and you make youth ministry awesome. Thanks for listening. Check out the link, and we'll be back with the episode real quick. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of After 9, talking about money, Chad. And this feels like the most like morning zoo podcast we've had. <laughs> We talk about budgeting, fundraising, and money in the afternoon. Uh, And so I think to catch everybody up, on the first half, we talked about creativity, envisioning, and gratitude. Oh my gosh, if you cannot be grateful what you have now, you'll be never grateful for the things that you want to have. But on the second half, I think all those things are helpful when it comes to um, programs and youth rooms and whatever else. But like, what about like the, the stuff that we're doing that's not so tangible, right? Chad, like what about like camp stuff or mission trip stuff or, or things that we'd like to do that it's hard to always ask for a donation for, right? Like people give away free couches. People don't always give away free mission trips. So like, how do we plan for some of this stuff? And that's why I need your help when we talk about this topic of budgeting, because whether it's a dollar or 10,000 or a hundred thousand dollars, there's probably some kind of youth budget at your church. So how do we make the most of it? How do we ask for more of it? What do we do with it? Chad Higgins, help us out. 
Sure. So one of the things that we talked about in the, the first part of this episode um, was kind of understanding where you're going, vision in mind, all those kind of things. And I think that that is vitally, vitally, vitally important for your budgeting. Um, each year, hopefully, you are in um, the practice of sitting down, writing out your budget, figuring out where your money is going to go each year. Um, or maybe maybe you don't have any sort of budget. This could be a good practice to begin to set up a foundation of this to hand to your senior pastor and go, hey – um, here's what I think that would be great if we could just budget this, set this aside each year for our student ministry. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that that's going to go a long way with your senior pastor because then he's able to take that to, you know, the finance Everybody else. or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. show that you as a youth minister are competent in what you're doing. He wasn't and making so, it up. <laughs> this is as, This can be as easy or as complicated as you want. My recommendation is this. Anytime you're asking for finances, you want to be as transparent as possible yes. and um, you want to show the why and the how of what you're doing. That's good. You are not just handing them a piece of paper with numbers on it. You are handing them a strategy and this is how it's going to be fulfilled through the financial piece. I would even offer, Chad, more than just the Excel spreadsheet, which should look nice and should be typed up and not scribbled. Maybe even include like a cover letter or just a couple paragraphs talking about maybe if there's some major changes or some big goals. Like give them some narrative next to the numbers that helps explain why like the camp budget went up by 10% or why there's a whole new line item called snacks on Sunday. Because like if I'm an adult and I just see that like – or if you have some cleverly cool name program like Spark or Ignite or Catalyst or whatever, and it says Spark $800, you should probably explain what Spark is and where the $800 is going to go. And if you can explain, well, that's our new middle school ministry that we're going to do Wednesdays after school before you know we get to Wednesday night stuff, that helps a little bit more than just calling it a clever, cool, jargony kind of name. And so Absolutely. whatever it is, give some explanation because like, if you don't tell them that the registration dues for camp went up $10 a kid or $20 a kid and you can't help it and we're going to try to budget a little more from that, like give them some insight to that because they want to see that you've done your homework, you've thought this out, and you are a responsible minister. And I know that that seems like such a businessy thing, but part of this minister, program leader, pastoral thing is more than just the spirituality. It is giving the good context for the kinds of things you have going on that are related to this important formational spiritual yeah. content. Okay, narrative next to numbers. Chad, go. Well, and it also, I think, helps you as a youth minister really evaluate from year to year mm. and ask the hard questions of, okay, was the – and I'm making these numbers up. Um, so please forgive me if, if this these aren't your numbers because I, I, I want to guard your heart in saying these. Let's say you said, okay, we're going to use $1,500 for this event. Um, on the back end of it, if the event was a flop, right – but you've just always done it. Yeah. You need to start to understand that you're throwing not only your own time away, but $1,500 every year towards an event that's not helping you achieve the goals um, that you're trying to achieve as a ministry or aren't fitting into your overall structure as a church. And, and so when we start to examine our budget, we need to be very honest with ourselves and going, where are the areas that we're spending money on that aren't getting the return that yeah. we're looking for. 
And I think that's such a wise thing to say, Chad, because if you divide it up and if you're just not if you're if you're offering more than just a like bottom line number of X and then next year you want X plus five percent, that's not helpful. But if you can break down what the budget number is and show the areas you're asking more and then the areas you're asking for less, right? Like that shows good strategic, visionary kind of stuff. Like if you're asking more for summer camp because it was great and you are slashing the spring or the fall retreat because it just didn't work because of school schedules or football or um sports schedule or whatever like i think that shows a lot of responsible um like you know planning and thinking because it shows that you're not just asking for more overall but you've asked for you know different kind of like um, places and, and, and positions because you you see these things as being of higher value and these things seeing as maybe like you know this is probably done with and we're going to try something different and I just that's responsible man like that's good leadership all right pro tip for budgeting right here you ready for yes, it this pro is tip. The pro here we go tip. Pie graph. Pie graph? Yes. If in your budget you will include a pie graph that has where all like your money cherry is. Cherry apple vanilla? <laughs> no, that's your own pie that you just get that's to That's your own pie. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, no, no, just a, a simple pie graph and determining where your percentages of money is going in all of your ministry type okay. things. You want to speak the love language of your financial team they love them some pie graphs, all right? Mm, and so yes. very simply – Composition and percentages. <laughs> uh, pie graph. One, it makes your budget look like it's really, really professionally done. Yes. But it gives you a visual to where you're able to see, wow, we spend half of our budget on camp every year, right? Yeah. And yeah. you're able to then go, man, does – does that equate, you know what I mean, correctly in what we're trying to do? And, and yeah. so we can be smart in that way. No, that's good. So for your next budget, as you're thinking through maybe this spring into summer into fall, have not just the numbers, not just the narrative, but good pie graph visuals. Now, so pro tip for Dude, me. Dude, I'm Chad. telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. For the person that's listening that adds a pie graph, you will get more compliments and I, I'm just telling you right now, you throw a pie graph on anything and people are like, oh, this is thought out. That's good. You're like, you could have done <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll think that you hung the moon, man. I Put a pie it. graph on there. I love it. Okay, Chad, budgeting is great. And maybe we'll revisit this in kind of the fall season as we make plans for next year. But what would you do when you're already locked into what you have this year and you just really want kids to be more involved with camp or mission trips or, or some kind of activities that way. Like how, how do we raise more funds, Chad Higgins? And robbing something is not <laughs> apparently appropriate. Just knocking over a bank. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I think that, I think we've got to explore fundraising, you know, and, and, um, for different churches, you have, you have completely different policies. I know for myself, I've, I've worked at multiple places where um, we did not do fundraising at all. Um, and, and, and so I probably, I'll be very honest, in, even in this episode, um, I lean a little bit more into the camp um, of, of not doing fundraising. I, I'm a big proponent of um, this, is, this is what the people of the church have give, and so we want to live into that. We want to use that. Um, but I, I know that there are, there are times where we ask for scholarships, things like that, um, for students that, that are very helpful. You know, and, um, and I know for you, Zach, you do um, some different things that are very creative as well uh, to help 
provide more scholarships to free up some different areas um, of of your budget and different things like that. So tell tell me a little bit about what you do and what fundraising looks like for you. Yeah, man. So I, I think I think the first thing I would say is you probably have some kind of policy at your church. Either fundraising, it seems like at churches is either like yes, go for it. Here's the ones that we do, or it's nope can't do it. <laughs> Never going to happen. And I've served at churches that are both. And so I think if the answer is yes, I think it's evaluating what kind of fundraisers you have, making sure to do a very good job with those fundraisers, whether that's a car wash or a candy bar sale. Uh, I'll speak from my own context. Uh, I inherited the big plant sale every spring. It's a it's something where we have partnered with a, a florist that kind of does these different fundraising deals where I love it because it's seasonal. It's, it's, it's a kind of two-month window of getting the sales sheets out, getting the kids motivated to sell, turning those in, and then having a big kind of weekend pop-up shop where we get all the the stuff distributed. And it's been great because it has a legacy of being great. Like we have students that can make several hundred to a thousand dollars towards stuff. Uh, Again, it's it's our policy at church that we do it that way. Students have their own kind of student account that can bankroll the sales of these plants and these other kind of like herbs and veggies and whatever stuff into and for us it's been a real it's just it's great no it's just it's just one of those things that, like i would have never dreamed it up but they've been doing it for like 15 years and people love it and we have folks at our church that like expect our kids to come around and be like when are i getting my spring plants from you today and so anyway we actually had a girl who's a ground graduated uh kind of dispense some of her salesmanship wisdom because for the last couple years uh, she has been like our top seller and so when she graduated there were a lot of folks that were moving in on her territory and like claiming up some of her people that she used to sell to because she was the best. So props to her. Um, And it's just great. And so it's one of those, like for us, that's been great. It also helps in this way, Chad, um, when we have scholarship requests in the summertime, like we have a little application for folks. And so that helps kind of gauge for us, like, have you taken advantage of all the opportunities we've given you? Because by having the fundraising kind of like protocol this way, if we have students that didn't even try, like, because obviously we have some students that will do a better job than others because their parents will like work the, you know, the cubicles at their offices or they're like, they'll call up, you know, every relative they have. But we have some students that will like turn in no sales sheets for the plant stuff and when it comes to camp in the summer like hey i need scholarship for camp and it's like did you did you try to raise funds any other way and if they say no it gives us a kind of a nice litmus test of like hey like we we want you to like really value this and if you want to go to camp like there's other things that we've offered for you to kind of get into that so that i think is a really great thing but i get it like if you have some fundraisers at your church that are like total bombs and don't work because the car wash gets rained out every year and i can't believe we're still doing it um i get it and like say it's one of those like if if you are on the fence about fundraising i can be swayed either way but if you have something i think the important thing is to put the effort and energy to try to making success for your students because doing the like half-hearted like, yeah, we have one and it always fails doesn't help anybody. So either be moving it to make it better or moving it to like sunset it and get rid of it. So whatever it is, either try to make it better or intentionally make it worse so you can get rid of it. Either way, if you're a non-fundraising church, you can still, I believe, I believe – Talk to the right people about asking your students to write letters to people that would have ways to support them, especially when it comes to like mission trip or mission opportunities. Number one, more than any plant you can sell or candy bar or cars you can wash, writing letters to aunts, uncles, cousins, grandmas, anybody that's related to the student is the best generative support for them. It's like 
proven. Like my mentor taught me that and I've seen it in books and read from other folks. Like the best way for your student to get the funds they need for these kind of big ticket trips or, or, or camps or mission trips or whatever is to ask for support. And you as the youth pastor having some great template letters or some great kind of like instructions on to how to do that, how to make that possible, I think is kind of a key resource for your students. I get it. You can't go up and try to sell stuff or raise money this way, but between you knowing and asking certain people at church or having them write letters to people at churches or like like other like relatives and friends, these are key and vital ways for your students to see that there are other places of income to be drawn into outside of them begging their parents or begging you for money. You know, I think that was one of the things that we always did with our students on mission mission trips, and it worked so so well. Um, you know, one of the we would we would write up like a template letter. We'd have like three or four different types of template letters, um, and we would spend some time in one of our um, meetings and help students walk through. Hey, this is how you're going to write your letter. Um, you're, these are the people that you know that you're going to send it to because the same people that you're going to hit up to buy cookie dough are the same people that you're going to send this letter to. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> and, and so <laughs> we're going to give you 40 bucks either way. Either you just write the letter for it or you overcharge yeah. them for cookie dough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so save the money on the cookie dough and make the whole thing a profit. Right, right. And, and so um, th- we would do that and we would all – those same people that would financially support you would also be prayer support for you. Yes, During these yes. mission trips and, and things like that. And, and we, we always made sure that our students would take some time during that trip to write a postcard to all the people that's, that are supporting them, either prayer support or financial support. And then we would make sure that we did a follow-up stuff at the end of those meetings that they were sending out letters. Hey, here's um, what your support did for me. This is what we were able to accomplish at that trip and all those kind of things. And so, so there were some healthy ways to do that. Um, one of the big things that I will recommend, kind of wrapping up this, this fundraising um, um, talk a little bit here, is this. Be wise youth ministers yes. when you are running these fundraisers that you're not the guy that everything funnels to. Yes. And one Sunday morning, you're walking around with an envelope full of cash um, <laughs> you know, and everyone's checks. And so be wise with that. Make sure that you set yourself up to where um, – you have some accountability in that, that yeah. you're not the one that's catching everybody's cash money that's just floating around. Um, or if you're anything like me, you put someone's check for camp in your wallet, and then that wallet it's ends up going into the washing machine. Yes. Because <laughs> that's a fun conversation. Yeah, it, it's the intentional and the unintentional misuse of finances. <laughs> As Chad Higgins has washed many camp registrations and had to ask for reissued checks, and so just no, but you're one. but you're right, just Chad, because one. this is one, just one. But there are people in your church, either it's the finance committee or the finance person, or there's there's moms or dads that would love to be you know boosters and supporters for the youth ministry, and they want to take it on. Like on the years that I do a better job, we have a, a group of moms that help run the plant sale fundraiser, right? Like there are folks that want to help with this stuff, and you probably hopefully have some protocols at your church that if money's coming in it has to be you know piped through the right kind of you know deposits and invoicing and PO system and so adhere to all those things but for our final focus today what are your priority needs 
of your gospel-centered ministry because more than just the fun trips or the exciting camps or the big grandiose projects or the super cool updates to your youth room, what are the priority needs for your gospel-centered ministry? I get it. It's hard to do all your ministry on the cheap or on the free. But in what ways can your priorities align with the church's priorities? And in what ways can you tell and retell and retell that story of this matters because for the young people of this church, this matters. We value this because. Because if it is rooted in the deep values and the gospel-centeredness of your ministry, of the church in which you are ministering, every gain, every increment will be met with gratitude and will be met with an excitement and an expectation. It is okay to measure what's working and not working. It's okay to redesign and redevise your budget so you are working towards results and working towards a vision. What's not okay is to be frivolous and just ask for more for more sake. Like This is not about a global like how many countries can we visit in my five years of serving here as a youth minister or how many big screen TVs can we cram in a 400 square foot room. But it does matter that we are thinking about things that are priority needs for students. Sometimes that means bells and whistles. Sometimes that means doing things in a fun way. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to win me over long to to get me to say that stage design and screen content and and, and layouts of room and the way in which you do your t-shirts for camp matters because they do matter. But what are the priorities and can you order them in the way in which they matter most? Yeah. And and, and I I'll, I'll leave with this. Sometimes we say no. Yep. You know, sometimes we we evaluate something. Sometimes we have this want and we realize mm, now's not the right time. Yep. And we're wise about that. We're calculated about that. And we understand that if we become a person that in the eyes of, uh, of our staff, our people of our church – that's wise, that's calculated, that's not just somebody that wastes every penny that they're given, yeah. uh, but they use every penny that they're given in the smartest, wisest way, yeah. then, then we'll become people that are entrusted with more. Yeah. And, and so um, that day will come. And it may not mean this like massive financial jump, um, but it will be more authority with what you have. That's good. Sometimes. And so uh, be that person. Be grateful for what you have today. Um, explore new ways to be creative, uh, to get the most out of, of what you do have, um, and, and be purposeful with every penny that you get. And, uh, and so we hope that um, whether you're someone that you're looking at your budget and you're wanting more, whether you're someone that's frustrated with what you have and the fundraisers don't seem to work, um, or whether you're someone um, that's somewhere in between. Um, we hope that this episode helps. Thanks for joining us this week at After Nine. Thanks for listening to After Nine. To continue the conversation, find us on Twitter or Facebook at After Nine Ministry or visit www.afternineministry.com to subscribe and learn more.